Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode 136 of the Sports Podcast. As Anthony and I join you once again, it's been a while for the Sports Podcast. We've been busy. We've been keeping up with the YSU Penguins on the Ice Castle Report. So you, it's not like we haven't been around. Uh, baseball season has begun. We're going to get into that. And we're going to talk about some of the players who made the team. Obviously, we are five games into the season now. Uh, a good game today. A great game, actually, in a lot of ways. It was a great pitching performance uh, by Shane Beaver and the Cleveland Indians bullpen. They won four to two. Uh, what can you say? Uh, Shane Beaver, 12 strikeouts again. <laughs> I mean, he's just phenomenal. And then you look at uh, Jose Ramirez. I mean, Jose being Jose. Jose, 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 you know? Uh, Jose's just – he's – one of a kind and uh, two, two run homers, a pair of two run homers and the Indians went four to two. So there's a little recap as uh, this is uh, April 7th, 2021. Anthony, how are you doing, my friend? Well, Tim, it's a lot better to record after a win than it is a loss. And uh, for the first five, six innings there, it was looking like, oh boy, you know, I sent a text to my aunt and I said, uh, so Beaver's going to strike out. 10 plus and probably go six or seven innings and one mistake. And I don't even think it was a mistake. That was just a, a really good hitter making a really good swing on a ball. And I'm like, this is going to cost him again, isn't it? And then, uh, boy, thank God we got an MVP candidate because he saved us today. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's April 7th. Like you mentioned, it usually takes Jose a couple months to get in this form. He's already in this form. So um, it's a really good thing to see. And uh, you're right. The bullpen looked really good, especially, especially Emmanuel Classe. His boy, his life, or his ball has a lot of life on it. And uh, the thing that impresses me, he's not just a power pitcher. He no. is a devastating slider. He has a nice changeup. Uh, he has a couple variations of the fastball and the uh, cutter, obviously. Uh, he looks like a guy, Tim, that the Indians have not had in the back end of that bullpen for a long time. He's going If he says healthy, he could be special. Yeah, one game at a time with him. There's no question about it. Uh, he does have a live arm. There's no question about that. A natural cutter on his fastball. Uh, his slider is not necessarily a strike all the time. That's it's okay if you work in progress. Chase. But yeah, he's a work in progress. There's, that's the best words for it. And he definitely has the ability to be special. He def, definitely has the ability to blow up at any given pitch. And you know, we'll just take it one game at a time with him and hopefully see him put four, five, six appearances together and get in a groove and we'll get a little bit more about him. I mean, we, you and I, at least I, I want to say for myself, I don't know him yet uh, as a player. We didn't see him at all last year because he was suspended. Yeah. So all I knew coming in, he could throw 100 miles per hour. So far, he's proven that. Uh, and you know, the key though is, I, I you know, I listened. To the, well, I listened to the game today, mm-hmm. and Rosenhaus and, and Hamilton were talking about just about Class A and what he brings to the club and how he's rose. And one of the things they talked about is one of the things the Indians really stress this training camp with him is to get ahead of hitters 
And most importantly, then you can throw his slider and it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be a strike. Be a strike. Yep. And that's going to be really important. Uh, if he can't, he has to be able to throw it for a strike anytime in account. But more than importantly is he has to establish strike one, strike two as soon as possible and not get behind on hitters two, one, three, one. And we'll see. Uh, we've seen that in training camp a couple times. He got behind and mm-hmm. they timed him up perfectly and it went a long way. So he's like you said, a work in progress. But yeah, he's a he's he's a player that we've never seen before in an Indians uniform. And uh, I'm. I'm excited to have him in the bullpen. Matter of fact, this bullpen has some of the the hardest throwing arms. Yeah, they do. And, and the Indians have had maybe in 20, 25 years. Uh, you know, you got to go way a long time ago before the Indians had real relievers that can throw 95 plus across the board, and they do. And I think we've seen a little bit of uh, Francona's style of managing that bullpen today as it, it will be a bullpen by committee because we have seen class a finished. Mm-hmm. We've seen Karen check uh, finished. And now we've seen uh Wittgren finish a couple times. So it will be interesting to see how this bullpen um, really goes forward from this point on. I'm, I'm curious to see how it sets up a lot of players to play with a lot of different players, and we haven't seen them all, but it should mm-hmm. be a lot of fun, you know, watching them throw when they get that opportunity. Yeah, two things uh, today that stood out about the bullpen to me is uh, number one uh, was that James Karinczak, he gave up a tying run, but as a young pitcher, he bounced back and got out of the inning tied instead of letting it snowball on him. And that was the top of the order for the Royals. Uh, that could have been 3-2, 4-2, 5-2. It's like, oh, boy, here we go again. But he kept it 2-2. He let the top of the Indians lineup come up in a tie game. Off, we know what happened. Um, and then number two was Nick Wickren uh, bouncing back after a rough first outing in Detroit over the weekend, uh, coming back today and I mean, really looking good. He really looked like the veteran um, and the dominant reliever that the Indians got a steal from Miami a couple years ago. Uh, so you're right, Tim. All in all, so far, uh, as anybody knows who follows baseball, bullpens are the hardest thing to predict. We talked about that last week before the season began. And so far through five games, Indians bullpen has been very good. Yeah, they have. Uh, they've done their job. Look, every game is a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. They have a deep bullpen, uh, a bullpen that's young, that's inexperienced in a sense. As the season grows, we're going to see how well they they adjust. The league's going to adjust to them. They're going to have to adjust back. It's, yep. it's five games into a 162-game season. You don't panic this this early. You don't get too high, too low. They're two and three. Uh, what I w- probably the part of the game that I liked the most was the first two-run home run by uh, Jose, simply because the Indians got a leadoff hit. They get mm-hmm. a ground ball. They beat at the uh, the potential double play ball, and a you know fielder's choice two times in a row. So there was two outs, and then Jose came to the plate. And I was, and they were down one nothing because they gave up the home run earlier in the mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and I was driving around town listening to the game, and I'm like, well, this is the time for Jose to connect. And he hit that long fly yep. ball foul, and it was like, oh man, just missed it. But I says, you know what? If he's swinging that well. Maybe he could connect. And sure enough, the time I said that to myself, uh, he put 
the wood on the on the ball and uh, deposit it into the right field f- uh, seats for the first of two home runs, two two run home runs, mm-hmm. and the Indians, of course, won four to two, as you mentioned. Uh, but that was something I think that was really important to get, like you mentioned, him started early. I will say mm-hmm. this, uh, Anthony, and this might be overstating the obvious here or the cliche. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our first 80 degree day and yeah. Jose Ramirez batted well. I, I, I don't see, usually that's the case when the weather's bad in Ohio, Jose struggles. Mm-hmm. When the weather warms up, Jose just explodes. Uh, I don't know if there's a coincidence there or not, but it's just over the years, it definitely sees as the summer got longer and hotter, he got better yep. and very cold Springs. He's had a cold spring. Well, the thing that, impressed me today is you know the last couple of years uh, probably dating back to 2018 was you know the biggest question mark of this team obviously has been the offense and especially last year it was a constant uh, struggle all year long uh, really impressed me today like you mentioned Tim was the two out hitting two out clutch hitting that sometimes last year was non-existent for games at a time um, and this year with Lindor gone and some different faces in the lineup, you're going to count on Jose Ramirez a little bit more, and he's producing already at an MVP clip. I know it's early. It's five games in, but it's still, uh, when you needed Jose today to come through, uh, he came through, and you're right, and you made a good point. Even on the foul ball, take away the home runs. We know those are good swings. But the foul ball down the right field line, that's when you know Jose's locked in, when he's seeing it well. Um, And I'll say this. I know it's five games in, um, so there's a lot of baseball to be played, um, a lot of probably lineup configurations that will change throughout the coming weeks and months. Uh, Tito continues to figure out what these guys can and cannot do. But to me, I know we're not scoring a lot. But the at-bats have been much better than they were last year. We're working counts. We're getting deep in counts. uh, We're drawing walks. Uh, You know, Monday, the home opener, we hit the ball well. Yeah, we only got three hits. But how many hard outs were there? There was two or three innings there where every out was hard hit. You know, Reyes drove a ball to the track. Rosario drove a ball to the track. Naylor drove a ball to the track. And honestly... Maybe I'm being biased here, but Santana makes a hell of a play on that ball scorched by Brazar in the ninth inning with two guys on, nobody out. If that ball gets down the line, Tim, it's three to two. We got a guy on second, and then I feel we're going to tie the game up. And unfortunately, Santana makes a hell of a play that we've grown accustomed to seeing for us. Um, you know, so the, the run production's not there. But the at-bats, I feel like, are better now than they were last year at this time. Um, having Ed Rosario is such huge help. I know he scuffled the last two games at home. But you saw this week in Detroit. Even a bad pitch, he can take out and hit it a long way. There's no question. He's a... Uh... He's going to be a big player in the Indians lineup all season long. They brought him in for that reason. Someone who can play right field, someone who uh, it's going to be an everyday bat. And that's exactly what they brought him in. You are correct. Um, 
about the Indians hitting the ball hard, that is encouraging. Look, mm-hmm. you're never always going to get base hits when you hit the ball hard. When you're there's eight guys out there, they're ready. To, they're ready to make plays, and sometimes mm-hmm. you hit you hit Adam, you know Adam bombs as they're called, and yeah. it does happen. Uh, players make good plays like Santana did. Those that's the breaks of baseball. Uh, you have to create your own breaks. You have to find your own holes. They'll come. If the Indians continue to swing and get some good hard hit balls, and I think they'll be fine. Uh, that's the key. If you're seeing the exit velocity off the Indians bat that uh, Mandy Bell mentioned in one of her reports on Major League Baseball app, then, yeah, you, I think in the long term we're going to be okay. And that's the key. You're looking, and I heard Tom Hamilton talk about this, and, you know, again, everything's broken down to micro-level stats in baseball yeah. today. But basically, exit velocities over 95 are considered hard hit balls. Yes. And the Indians have had their share. So uh, I don't know the exact number, but from my understanding, like I believe the last game, the two games that they lost to Detroit, they had uh, kind of eight hard hit balls that were out. So, you know, you're going yeah. to get those things. That's part of baseball. And the weather wasn't the best for opening day. And even the second day, it was not what I say, ideal. It did warm up on a third day and the Indians scored some runs. Uh, they came home. It was a little cooler. Mm. Hey, it was a good game. It, it just didn't go the Indians way. And then today, after a day off, nice warm day, afternoon baseball, it just kind of, it was conducive to the opportunity to win a ball game and the Indians did. And let's face it, this Indians team is built on pitching and defense first and the offense has to supplement that if the Indians score four plus runs per ball game, they're going to be in a lot of games. If the Indians are under four runs a game, like they were a lot last season in the last two seasons, they're going to struggle. And that's just the honest to God's truth. I'm not telling anybody who's a mathematician out there. Oh, no, no kidding. Genius. You're right. No, it's just facts. You're right. If they, if they score four to five runs a game, they're going to, they're going to be in a lot of games. You're going to lose a few eight to six games, no matter who you are. You're going to win a few two to one games too. And, uh, or today where you get two bombs and you win four to two. Uh, and, you know, both teams hit two bombs. And you just had two had a runner on each time their, their home runs uh, were uh, counted. So that's baseball, uh, you know, keeping innings alive. That's what made me so happy about that first two run dinger was because they were able to keep the inning alive. No double play. They eliminate the runner. You know, the, the lead runner got eliminated two times in a row, but they couldn't turn a double play on either one. And then Jose came up and had a really good at bat. Didn't give up on the bat after he just missed a home run, hit the, hit the uh, pitch into the right field seats and the Indians had the lead. And I believe from that point on, I believe the, the confidence level of the team felt good. So oh, yeah, I, you could see, especially on Sunday and today that once we got that big hit, everybody else started to relax a little bit. Uh, you know, Sunday, they got that big hit by Yu Chang. Uh, he's swinging a nice bat right now and they exploded for six or seven runs right today. Uh, Ramirez has that big hit, take the four, two lead. And then Rosario and Reyes followed up with two singles. So um, let's, you know, that's another thing that we, sh- we should talk about. Uh, last time we talked, you know, we kind of gave our thoughts about who would make the team. And I said, it got to be Bradley, the way he was playing. Well, obviously, yeah. I was wrong. They went with Bowers and Chang. Uh, Chang, I understand completely. He's, hey, 
his bat continues to prove that it's a major league. Bat. Yes, exactly. And, He's and having it, hard hits. Yeah, and hard hit balls. Excuse me. Exactly. That's 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 the key. He makes good contact. You know, you want to see that. And uh, Yu Chang deserves an opportunity to play. And if that's partly playing at first base, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, you know, Francona basically came out and said it came down to options without saying it that yep. way. You know, Bowers didn't have any options left and Bradley did. So Bradley goes down and Bowers stays because they want to make sure they don't make a mistake and let a guy go who may go out and hit 30 home runs for another team. Uh, we'll see. I, I, time will tell if this will work. Give them 150, 200 at bats, and we'll we'll have a better idea. Uh, you know, if this was the correct move, and the same thing with Bobby Bradley. Bobby Bradley deserves that opportunity. It's going to come. It's just yeah. it's not going to be in April. It may come in June or July. It may come in May. Uh, but right now, it's Bowers' job to lose, and that's the way the Indians are going to approach it. And it won't shock me. <laughs> quite honest with you. Uh, if he continues, you know, I mean, again, five games, he's only played yeah. in two or three of them. He hasn't played in the majority of them. So I'm not even Let- give, give him 150, 200 at bats and we can evaluate him and, and see how he does. Obviously defensively, you can see how he, he is a very good uh, first baseman and he has mm-hmm. made some nice plays over there in the early game. So we'll see uh, the bullpen. We mentioned it earlier. I thought it was, uh, you know, I, Interesting decisions they made there. They brought, you know, obviously uh, Brian Shaw back. I knew he would make the team. I had no doubt in my mind he'd make the team. But Stefan making the team was a surprise, mm-hmm. uh, but pitched well all spring. So I'm kind of curious to see how he does uh, coming over from the Yankees in the Roll 5 draft. Obviously, center field was a surprise to me. I did not expect, you know, them to – move Rosario at the center field or, uh, you know, Ben Gamble making the team and, mm-hmm. and Ben Gamble. So it's a quality major league player who has center field experience. And it's going to be kind of a center field by committee this year. Cause we've seen loophole out there. We haven't seen Rosario yet, but we no. will. And uh, we've seen him at short a couple games to get his bat in the lineup and we'll see exactly what happened. Jimenez, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to watching him play the few times I had a chance to watch the game. He was not in the lineup. So we'll just, you know, take it one day at a time, one game at a time. But yeah, my predictions were completely uh, wrong in the outfield and, and the starting rotation. Uh, Logan Island being the fourth starter. I'm pretty sure Tristan uh, McKenzie will be the fifth starter, but Mm -hmm. we'll, and that will be done next week. And, he had a nice little couple of innings in, uh, in relief. He got a, some, some strikes thrown and gave up a run, but again, it's so early. I'm not worried about it. It's just one day at a time. And, but the makeup of the team's a little different than I expected. We'll see where, it, where it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if Ben Gamble can become a, the player that the Indians, you know, kind of steal. And, and get a really fine player. I know a lot of people out there are, are clamoring for uh, Naquin back because he got off such a hot start with the Reds, but I'm not, I'm not concerned. I mean, I honestly believe once the National League starts throwing him uh, a couple deuces in a row and, and bounces them in front mm-hmm. of him, he'll start swinging and missing. And, you know, that will become the routine. 
I, I think some of it is they didn't see him to throw him fastballs, and he's connecting. Give him credit where credit's due. Uh, you don't hit five home runs by mistake. Then again, they're playing in a sandbox in Cincinnati, so the ball flies there. So uh, maybe it's a perfect scenario for him. Let me ask you uh, two questions. Uh, number one, are you concerned at all so far with the Indians – pitchers issuing so many walks, I believe 22 so far, 23 so far to be exact through five games. Is that where you at all, or is it just, it, is it just trying to get a fuel for everything first? It's tough to tell. Uh, obviously you're going to pay attention to that number as it grows. I mean, I look at someone like Beaver, what I think he had three walks today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three, four. Yeah. Uh, still suck out 12, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, obviously walks. Anytime you give a free pass to a to a, a hitter, that can come back to haunt you, and it has haunted him earlier in the season against Detroit. So mm-hmm. it's something to pay attention to. It's something to see if it's if they're missing badly or they're just not finishing hitters off. I mean, that's the question. Are they mm-hmm. missing like ball one, ball two, ball three, strike one, ball four, mm-hmm. or they, uh, you know? going seven, eight pitches deep into an at-bat and they lose the batter. Those are the, those are the questions that you have to wait and see five games. It could be conditional. It could be just not enough, you know, feel for the ball yet as the season progresses. But I think the Indians are, are, will be fine long-term because you have track records with a lot of these players and uh, yeah, Beavers walked what five or six, and the yeah. games that he's pitched, I think he didn't walk, uh, you know, six until the sixth game of the season. Yeah. Last year. So is it a combination of maybe there's a scouting report basically saying try not. He got a lot of outs last year with people swinging on ball four. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, and, and out of the strike zone. So, yeah, people make adjustments. He'll make an adjustment. I think the Indians pitching staff will make an adjustment both ways. So. I hope the Indians um, actually get more offensive walks. I, yeah. I hope, I hope they, they find ways to uh, extend their at-bats and work a pitcher a little bit more. They've been a little quick with the bat at times. Like, for example, yesterday against Junis, I think he, I think 12 pitches was the most he pitched in one inning. The five innings that he pitched. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was shocking. Uh, there was like three innings in a row. He pitched 10 pitches or less. Yeah, it was... Uh, that to me is probably the more uh, important question is how are your bats on that level? Well, I think, you know, uh, obviously someone um, that I think Hernandez is pressing a little bit right now. I'm not worried about him. He's a veteran. He's been there, done that before. So uh, the guy that's impressed me, and I know a lot of people were down on him making the ball club is Jordan Lupo. He's having some really good at bats. You know, the home run on Sunday uh, that put Dean's extended their lead. And then Monday, he drew three walks or two walks. You know, he's working the count. He's getting deep in the count. He's getting on base. Um, my second question, with Jang so far swinging a nice bat, and especially Sunday um, and even some of the outs he's had this year, they've been hard hit balls like you mentioned, the velo over 95. If he continues to swing a hot bat, do you just keep going with Bowers at first against righties? Because if Bobby Bradley comes up, he needs to play every day. He needs to play every day. 
Well, Bowers needs to play every day, too, in a sense. You have to see what he can do. So it's it's Bowers' job, and it's going to be Bowers' job for probably the, at least the first six to seven weeks of the season. So let's just let's see what he does. Let's just see what Jake Bauer does and go from there. Jordan Lupero is a veteran. He's been around a long time now, four, five, six years as a, as a major league player. Uh, he knows his role. This is his third year with the Indians or fourth year with the Indians. He knows his role. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll get at bats playing center field this year and, and fill in in the corner positions. He's our fourth outfielder. There's no question about it. And, you know, facing lefties right now, he's going to get an opportunity. Traditionally, he hits lefties. So, let's, again, it's five games into the season. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a loop low fan. I know some people are, are not loop low fans. I just like, he's a veteran ball player. He's, he's, you know, he goes out there, you know, he's not going to do anything fancy, but he's not going to do anything to really lose you the game. And I think, uh, you know, he's worked some nice at bats. He's got on base and that's what you want as a leadoff hitter. Um, I was, I'm impressed so far also with uh, Josh Naylor. You know, this is his first, really full year in the big leagues with one club. You know, last year he came over from the National League, the American League. That's a big change. Um, and even even some balls he's getting out on are hard-hit balls. Um, and I like that he's shown an ability to go to the opposite field. Um, he can pull the ball. We know that. Um, I think the outfield is still a work in progress. Is it as dire as it was last year? I don't think so, but it's early. Uh, we definitely upgraded. Um, and, and, and getting back to your Naquin point, I like Tyler Naquin, but like you mentioned, it's five games in. We've seen this every year from Tyler Naquin with teams when he's healthy, that he can go through stretches like this where he can hit 330, 340, hit a couple home runs and drive in RBIs. But when teams start adjusting to him, and like you said, burying that slide in the dirt or burying the curve on the dirt and then following up with a high fastball, that's when he gets in trouble. Um, and those swings become long and they off result in strikes. Everybody has a weakness. His weakness will show in the long term. I'm sure of it. I'm not saying I want to see him not uh, have success. If he goes out and has an all-star year, that's fantastic. Good for him. You know, he deserves that opportunity and he's going to get mm-hmm. with the Reds, and we'll see. Do I expect the Reds to be in contention this year? No. Uh, well, but will he be a player that Reds fans might get excited about? Sure. Let's see what happens. I mean, you look at this. I'm Here's the way I look at it. You can have Tyrone Naquin or you can have Ben Gamble. We know what Naquin can do. Let's see what Gamble can do. And that's basically the way I look at it. And Naylor is the same way. Naylor's a young player. The Indians tra- the Indians made a trade, a significant trade. They traded away a starting pitcher last season in Clevenger to get him. They seen something they like. They believe in this player. That's the same thing that goes with Bowers. They they traded for Bowers. Right or wrong, that's a move that this front office made. And one thing I think we've seen from this front office is they don't like to admit their mistakes if they make one. And second of all, more than anything, they want to be thorough. They, they don't want to give players away for nothing because they really, in their mind, can't afford to do that. And I get that. So we'll see. Uh, 
like I said, the makeup of this team is, is going to be interesting. I, the infield is, you know, is new shortstop is going to be a rotation. It looks like, uh, and you know, second base, of course you have the veteran Hernandez and you get third base, you got the veteran and, and Ramirez, but you know, first and short are new players and they're going to be a rotation on both. It looks like to a certain degree, I believe Jimenez will probably play two thirds of the games at mm-hmm. short, but you know, we'll see. It's five games into the season. There's no guarantees on anything. And the Indians had two games off in seven days. And they get a third one off here in a, in a little bit, too. So once they get into – actually, they're, they get the third one off tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, yeah. And then they get into the reg, real season where they, they'll play 10, 12, 14 games in a row. And we'll see more about, you know, what transpires. I think the first five games, because of the way the schedule is set out, it's tough to tell because you had three days off in the, in the first eight days or seven days. So uh, we got to play the Tigers two more times. So we'll find out how good we are. Obviously right now, when you're playing the Royals and the um, Tigers, you have to beat up on them. You know, you just have to beat up on those teams Um, and you get the Tigers for three more games this weekend. So let's see if you can't take advantage of that and, maybe win this weekend series. If you want to get serious, they get you back to 500. So you're two and three. You had you know, a three game series in Detroit. You dropped two, you came home, you split it. A mm-hmm. two game series. So you got 19 games against all your divisional foes. Everyone's important. Everyone knows how important divisional games are in baseball with the mm-hmm. weighted schedule that it is. So, yeah, I mean, you get, Detroit a lot in the first month of the season. So you have to take advantage of that. Simple as that. And anytime you play in division, it's important. Over 162 games, you can make some of that up. But head-to-head matchups are really important uh, in division play. And it always has been, always will be, no matter the sport. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it for, you know, how many months now, Tim, um, or how many years we've been doing this podcast that in order to win, you have to win in your division. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, without the expanded playoffs and there is not that this year, we'll see what happens, you know, and it is, it's early in the season. Hey, Anthony, did you catch any of the basketball game, uh, on Monday night? I caught the first half and honestly, um, you know, I'm not surprised at that at all. Honestly, um, Baylor is really, really athletic. Um, And I think it also, to me, appeared Gonzaga was emotionally and mentally drained from the final four game against UCLA. Uh, But give Baylor credit. They came out and hit almost everything in sight. Um, They they just looked like they had a hunger to them. And the first couple minutes, uh, they punched Gonzaga in the mouth. And I I don't think Gonzaga really ever recovered from that. No, they didn't. You know, they got close. They got it under 10 points a couple times, but mm-hmm. Baylor just, you know, was like you said, uh, just so ready for that fight, like a prize fighter in a, each mm-hmm. round, never, never missing a punch. And they came out strong. They finished strong. They were the better team of the two uh, on that Monday night. That's for sure. I was kind of curious uh, being a, Valparaiso grad yourself. Yes. Uh, Scott Drew, of course, the home yes, of Drew's I son. Was, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of figured Baylor would have been your choice going into the game. 
yes, I picked Baylor to win the national championship this year. Uh, just A, to be different, and B, because uh, Scott Drew is a Valpo guy. Actually, he's a Butler grad, but he coached at Valpo, so we'll give him some uh, – Oh, is that the case? We'll give him a break, Derek. Y- yeah, it is. It's a weird – Oh, weird I did not know that. He's, uh, yeah. Yeah, his brother uh, actually played. His uh, brother played for Valpo, yeah. Right, he's the one who hit but, the three-point yeah, in the playoffs yes. in, in, in the tournament. Yes. That yeah, one, it got back, what, 96, 98, 90, 98, yeah. 97? Oh, yeah, a long time ago, actually. Yeah, it so. was. It was a real long time ago. I still remember vividly because I was actually on air. I was doing a sports talk show at the time, uh, Eric Bolin and myself. And at the time, we used to have a TV perched up on the mm-hmm. uh, on the ceiling type thing. And Eric had to come around to the other side of the 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 studio for he could see it because his normal spot yeah. was I would be at the board running the show here. He would mm-hmm. be sitting to my right. The TV was above me. I could see it, but he couldn't. So during that whole tournament, Eric was on the right hand side of me for he could see the game. Mm-hmm. And we were talking and we were just obviously we couldn't do play by play, but we were yeah. commenting as the, you know, went to, you know, we're going to. I, you know, down in the last three seconds or whatever it was. And they had that big inbound pass and then get it out to drew and he hits the shot. And we both just absolutely lose our minds on air. It was uh, one of those uh, memories I'll always have. I, I wish I had that on tape. I know I don't. It would have been interesting to hear that back after all these years. Uh, but yeah, as someone who I really, I've been neglected to, uh, to reach out to Eric who uh, covers the Yankees. Uh, so uh, this season, uh, I, I have to do that after all these years, not reach out to Eric and have him uh, spend some time on talking baseball with us on the uh, on the podcast. But yeah, a little story going back about uh, the Drews uh, and their uh, success in the uh, tournament. But, you know, I wasn't sure he was still there, to be quite honest with you, Anthony, going into the mm-hmm. tournament because he was hired there in 2003. Yeah, that's a long he time ago. There a while. And, I mean, he's. Obviously, he's going to be a lifer now that he won a national title. I mean, not that he wasn't already mm-hmm. the way he took over a very uh, turbulent program. Yes. And then been able to right in the ship and be successful as they have been. And now that he's won a national title, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, he's a legend in in that community and will be forever. And I don't believe just because of his makeup of his family, his father stayed at Valparaiso all those years. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, replaced his son yeah. for a few years when he came back. Uh, yes. When he went, moved down to uh, to Baylor in Texas to take over that job, Homer came out of retirement. Yes, he did. Uh, and and uh, what about four or five year run, I believe, still as a yeah, coach. He, yeah, he about uh, money and being longer than that. Uh, it may have been. You know, because uh, Scott was only the coach there for a season. Was it and one then, or two seasons? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think only one. And then he left for Baylor and right. took over a program that was, I mean, facing NCAA sanctions and approbations and everything else. And then, um, you know, so Homer came back and took over for a five, six year run there. Yeah. And and until uh, Bryce came in and I uh, took the reins for a while. But yeah, I was rooting for Baylor um, Aid because, you know, it, it, you got to root for Valpo guy. And, uh, they were uh the thing that impressed me is they were so deep i mean they kept coming at you 
at every angle. Um, and they just had fresh body after fresh body. Um, and that, uh, you got to give uh, credit to uh, Scott Drew and Baylor because the whole tournament was Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. And rightfully so. They had a hell of a team, a hell of a year, a hell of a story. Um, but Baylor, after that second COVID pause, really came back. They lost in the uh, Big 12 tournament to Oklahoma State, and they came back, and they really played uh, the best ball of the season. You just got to be hot at the right time of the year. Yes, you do. Uh, either yes, to make do. the tournament or to, to advance in the tournament. And we've seen that over the years. Many Cinderella stories. A lot of good teams, too, making runs that people undervalued uh, mm-hmm. during that time period, too. I don't want to take away uh, just saying that a hot team. But obviously, you are when you advance in that tournament. And we've seen it over the years. Uh, many, many teams. As for Gonzaga. Wow. Um, what can you say? 31 and 0 getting into the championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, I was talking to Mark means uh, the day of the game. Uh, we were on the phone talking about something else and he asked me about the game and I said, you know, I'm really in typical fashion um, being so much part of the media over the years yeah. for good games versus mm-hmm. teams. A lot of times. And I says, well, I says, I'm probably going to jinx the hell out of them. Cause I usually get it wrong anymore. Mm-hmm. I says I can zag it by six in a really close game. And it was anything, but it really wasn't a close game. And Baylor uh, controlled the game throughout and, you know, never lost control. Once they had the lead, my God, they had the lead from the onset. They never lost the lead. They deserve. I just thought it was a phenomenal uh, performance by them. And, uh, you know, I remember other teams who had great runs into the final fours, uh, UNLV, who lost to Duke in the semifinals, and mm-hmm. uh, who was the uh, Indiana State? Go back all the way back to uh, Larry Bird. You weren't even born yet, probably. Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> no, I was not. That was the first NCA tournament I ever watched from start really? to finish. From start to finish, yeah. And it wasn't every game on neither back then. Uh, there was just certain games, and then they would fly into other games to give you highlights. I, I watched the championship games the previous few years, and I remember watching Indiana uh, win undefeated with Bobby Knight back in 76. Mm-hmm. Obviously, then there was the big deal about the 1976 Olympics, and then came uh the 77 and then 78 with magic johnson and all that and it was uh an amazing run at that time uh i was a louisville fan uh growing up young loved the uh, the redbirds so yeah it was a lot of fun back then you know to uh to watch a lot of basketball as i uh i was a young 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 boy who loved the game and watched it on tv uh and it was you know, an exciting time, but we've seen, like I said, teams really make deep runs as undefeated teams and, uh, and come up short since yeah. uh, 76. And uh, it's been an amazing, you know, you don't want to take anything away for what they achieved. I mean, Butler had an amazing run to the finals and yep. came so wickedly close uh, on a buzzer beater bouncing in and out uh, from winning a national title. And you just, and they made the channel for the game. Back to back years. The year, yeah. yeah. Back to back yeah. years. You know, it was one of those things. Was that, that and then uh, VCU made that final four also that year. Right. It's the tournament. You got to be hot at the right time. You can make a big run. As a lifelong YSU basketball supporter, to see why well, I keep saying it, I says, get me into the, the tournament, meaning the 
conference tournament, you get hot at the right time, you can make a run. Unfortunately, that's never yep. happened since the well Mike Rice era where they came heartbreakingly close two years in a row of uh, getting to the NCAAs and just couldn't do it. Uh, but that was a long time ago. People don't even know who Mike Rice is. They know his son, but they don't know who Mike Rice is. And uh, that was a long, long time ago. And, uh, you know, it's 2021. Can't live in the past. Got to move forward. Well, yeah, that is uh, some of the things going on. Speaking of uh, sports, the AFL, Anthony, is continue uh, their season. My pies for the men's competition are one and two. I uh, took mm-hmm. one on the chin last week, had it had a lead late and uh, let it let it slide away. However, the women's competition, they won the first round matchup. Uh, they are in the semifinals or what they call the preliminary finals. They call the first round the semis. And this is mm-hmm. the plims, which will then get to the grand finals. So uh, I think uh, with a little luck on Saturday night or Friday morning, um, depending on how you look at it, or it might be Saturday morning for me. I'm not sure exactly when they play, but they will have a chance to uh, hopefully advance to the grand finals and uh, maybe get a revenge against Adelaide, who uh, gave him a, a whooping a couple of weeks back. So uh, we'll see. It's kind of fun, but uh, I love talking about that simply because it's a great sport and we'll see what happens. I like talking about it just simply to let everyone know. Uh, my Knights are doing well, by the way. They're playing good hockey again, and uh, we'll see uh, as we get towards the end of the regular season here and heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So there's a lot of sports going on, Anthony. Unlike last year this time. All right, Anthony, got anything else you want to add tonight? No, just uh, nice to be back. It's nice to have baseball back, and uh, hopefully the Indians' bats keep warming up with the weather and uh, they can add uh, some wins this weekend. All right, for Anthony and Canfield, I'm Tim here in Boardman. Wishing you all a good day. We'll talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP.